Jeremiah chapter 7. We'll take our text from that chapter this morning. Those of you that are familiar with the weeping prophet, you know what chapter 7 is about. So you've got an idea of where we're going to go this morning. How many of you keep up with current events, world news? We need to. We need to. How many of you know what August 21st, what's important about that date this year? August the 21st, next Saturday. Yeah, that ain't important. Not in the scheme of what we're going to talk about this morning, it ain't. August the 21st, next Saturday, the nation of Russia is going to supply the nation of Iran with the plutonium rods they need to put their nuclear reactor online. Why is this important to us? It is important to us because the nation of Israel cannot allow that to happen. The nation of Iran, its president, has vowed to erase Israel from the face of the earth. And those are his words. Israel cannot sit back and allow that reactor to come online when those rods are placed. Once they do, if you destroy it after that, you have a nuclear holocaust. You have the entire Middle East, a wasteland. They have seven days to decide what they're going to do. And you know, Israel is known for taking matters into their own hands. When it comes to defending their nation, their sovereignty, their homeland, they don't care who it is. They don't care if it's Egypt, Syria, Iran, Iraq, or the United States for that matter. Look back in your history. Is it 63 or 67, the USS Liberty? Israel saw it as a threat. They didn't care that it was a United States surveillance ship. They took steps. I'm telling you this this morning not to scare you but to get your attention. Things are rapidly coming to a close. If Israel bombs the nation of Iran, we are one hand's breadth away from a third world war. Because nations will take sides. Russia with Iran. I pray us with Israel, but I wonder... I wonder if this might not be the opportunity where the nation of Israel and America part ways. I believe it's coming. I believe it has to according to Bible. To, to, to what the Bible tells us is going to happen in the last days. We have to at some place separate. I hoped and prayed I'd be gone before it ever happened. But we might be seven days from it. Looking... The second verse, the seventh chapter of Jeremiah. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word 
and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah, that are entering at these gates to worship the Lord. That's what the Lord told me to do this morning. He told me to stand in the gates of the Lord's house, and that's what I'm doing right now. I'm standing in the gates of the Lord's house, and I'm telling you what God has to say, not only to the nation of Israel then, but to us today. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust ye not in lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. He's saying, Amend your ways. He's saying, Repent. Repent. Because the time is coming when you won't have the opportunity. Jesus is coming soon. I'm not a prophet. I don't stand up and tell you that something's going to happen within the next seven days. I can't do that. I don't have that authority. But I do have the authority of God through the Holy Ghost as a servant, as a pastor, as a preacher of His Word to tell you Jesus is coming soon and you better be ready. Why are you preaching like this to the church, preacher? I'm preaching like this to every man, woman, boy, and girl that cares to listen to what the Word of God has to say. I don't care if you're lost, backslidden, child of God for 50 years. You need to hear the Word of God this morning. You need to make preparation for what is just around the corner. Amend your ways and your doings. Don't trust in lying words, it says in verse 4. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. He's saying it's time to quit playing church. He said it's time to quit just coming to church to have something to do on Sunday morning or Sunday night. He said it's time to put up or shut up. If you want to claim to be a Christian, start acting like one. It's time the church quit coming and sitting in the choir on Sunday morning Singing, oh, how I love Jesus with every sin known to God in their heart. It's time for Christians to quit singing Amazing Grace after they come out all hours of the night, Saturday night. Sweet water and bitter water can't come out of the same fountain. You can't praise God with sin in your life. You can't worship the Savior with iniquity. That's what he's saying there in verse 4. He's saying they would come into the temple and praise God with sin in their lives. We do the same thing today. And we wonder why we don't have any power. We wonder why our children are still lost. We wonder why the nation is going the way it's going. Because there's sin in the church. There's sin in the camp as God told Joshua. When there's sin in the camp, you'll lose every time. Go down to verse 8. God said, Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. In other words, God says, I know what you're doing. I see it. You can't hide it from me. You can hide it from the pastor. You can hide it from the family. You can hide it from the church and the world, but you can't hide it from me, God said. God said, Behold. I know you lie. God says, I know. 
I know, I know, I know, and you will not profit from it. If you come to church every day of the week, spend 12 hours a day in church, if you still have iniquity in your life, you've gained nothing. It's not coming to church. It's not the doing the things that are good. It's giving your heart and life to Jesus Christ. It's being like Paul was in the Sunday school lesson. It's having a heart of servanthood that no matter what happens, that no matter where you go or what you do, it's Jesus first. Jesus always. Jesus to the exclusion of everything else. Preacher, that's a little bit that's a little bit fanatical, preacher. That's what it's going to take to get to heaven. That's what the Bible says will take to get to heaven. If that means you have to be a fanatic to go to heaven, then you better start practicing to be a fanatic. Because we're not going to get in if we don't put him first. He's sick and tired of being second, third, fourth, and fifth place in the church's life. And we're bearing the fruits of that. I don't know how many churches I passed on the way here this morning. One, two, maybe three cars in the parking lot. I can sit down right now and in about five minutes I can get you a list of names, 20 to 30 people who are not here in this church this morning. I know some of them are sick. I know some of them have to work, but I know there's some of them that aren't here just because they didn't choose to be because it was not important enough to them to come into God's house. That breaks my heart. Oh, that breaks my heart and turns my stomach at the same time. Verse 9, God says to Israel, then through Jeremiah and to Reed Town and the church in the United States, today through me, will you still murder and commit adultery and swear falsely and burn incense unto Baal and walk after other gods whom ye know not? And come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name and say we are delivered to do all these abominations? Oh, hear the word of God this morning. He said, will you steal money? Will you steal from God with money? Will you steal from God with your time? Will you steal from God with your love and attention to other things? You can steal from God in a multitude of ways. He says, will you do that and come into my house? He says, will you murder? Will you slander your brothers and sisters with your tongue? Will you spend all week long talking about somebody, pointing out their flaws instead of praying for them? Worrying about when they go here and how they do this instead of being on your face before God saying, God, speak to their heart. That's murder. That's slander. The Word of God expressly forbids us from doing that. Will you commit adultery? You almost have to walk around the world like this today with blinders on your eyes everywhere you look. Everywhere you look. Everywhere you look. There's no common decency anymore in the world today. You can't even go to Walmart. Fifty years ago, to see what you see at Walmart today, you'd have to put money in a peep show booth. I'm not lying. That's the truth. 
What you would see in a peep show 50 years ago, you can get for free now. Just go get groceries. I know we're in the world, but we're not of the world. The moment it enters into your mind, the moment you entertain the lust of the flesh, you sin before God, the act of adultery. That's the word of Jesus Christ. That's not my opinion. That's not my thoughts. Jesus said it. Jesus said it. When it enters into your mind to do it, you've already done it. Swear falsely. Well, you can't get nobody to tell you the truth. You can't get anybody to tell you. I go to work on somebody's telephone. I've been without a phone for two weeks. It was just reported yesterday. I know they didn't go two weeks without a phone. I know that for a fact without telling somebody about it. You can't speak to even a perfect stranger on the street without them just giving you a bald-faced lie. It's natural anymore. They burn incense into Baal and walk after other gods whom you know not. The minute, the second, you put something else in God's place. The minute you put anything, if it's your wife, if it's your children, if it's your job, if it's your family, anything at all, your car, your boat, your time, your pleasure, anything you put before God, anything that stands as more important to you than coming to God's house, hearing the word of God, singing its praise, fellowshipping with brothers and sisters in Christ, going out in the world and witnessing. Anytime that comes before God, you are an idolater in God's eyes. You are worshiping Baal. You don't have to have a little tiki idol statue. We were at the store the other day. Lydia came up with a little, she called it a Buddha. It was a Buddha. She said, Daddy, what is this thing? I said, honey, that ain't nothing but a statue. She said, I never heard of it before. I said, that's all right, it ain't important. Just put it back and don't worry about it. You don't need to hear about it. I'm not talking about Hinduism, Buddhism, Mormonism. I'm not talking about Muslims. I'm not talking about other... That is not what God's talking about idolatry. God is talking about when you love something else more than Him. It's idolatry. Your dirt, your work could be idolatry. Your children can be idolatry. Yourself can be an idol. You can love self more than you love God. Anything that's more important to you than God is an idol. God says all these things in verse 9 and verse 10. He says, and then you come and stand before me in this house. You come and stand before me in my house called by my name and you dare to say these things I'm delivered of? It amazes me God doesn't reach down and just completely just wipe everything off the face of the earth. The audacity, the gall of humanity to say, oh, I can do all these things. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. God will forgive me. I've already got, I've already got forgiveness once. I don't have to worry about going out and committing sin. You're going to find out what God's opinion is. You're going to find out one day that God says, I called you to a life without sin, period. I've forgiven you of the past ones. 
I've justified you of your past acts, made you just as if you had never sinned before, but you are responsible for the rest of them on, and you better live a clean life, God tells us in His Word. Of course, I'm paraphrasing. God wants to know, how dare you come into my house? That's what He's saying in verse 10. How dare you come into my house with these sins on your head and try to praise me and try to worship me and claim to be my children? Verse 11, is this house which is called by my name become a den of robbers in your eyes? God says, have you made my house that low of a station? Is that how high you hold and esteem my house? That you won't even clean yourself up spiritually before you come in? You won't clean yourself physically before you come into God's house? You just come in any old which way? My great-grandmother, before you ate in her house, you had to go wash your hands, wash your face, and comb your hair before you come in to eat lunch. We won't even clean ourselves before we come into God's house. We won't even take the time to repent. God, forgive me of any sin I might have done before I come in. And then we wonder why the service is flat and cold and dusty, why there's no spirit. Because the spirit won't dwell in an unclean vessel. And we're unclean vessels. But go ye now unto my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first and see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. Remember Shiloh? Have you read your Bible enough? You got enough Bible history in you? You know what Shiloh is? It's where the tabernacle was first set up, where the ark was first contained, where they first worshipped. What happened to Shiloh? That's what God's saying. Look at Shiloh and see what I did to it. I destroyed it. I erased it because of the iniquity of my people. In other words, God's saying, I did it once. Don't think I won't do it again. Jeremiah is trying with everything that he has in him to convince the nation of Israel judgment is coming. What happened? He never had a single convert. And the entire nation of Israel was taken into captivity and the city of Jerusalem and the temple was destroyed. There was not a block left on top of another block. He did it at Shiloh. He did it at Jerusalem. He'll do it in the United States of America. He'll do it. He'll do it. Don't test him. Don't trust him. I mean, don't, don't try to... Uh, put him to the test on this. You go on now to my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these works, saith the Lord, and spoke, and I spake unto you, rising up early, and speaking, but you heard not. And I called you, but you answered not. He said, I rose up early. He said, I've done everything in the world I can do. He said, I've hollered and I've screamed and I've begged and I've cried. I've sent prophets, I've sent preachers, I've sent teachers, I've sent evangelists. I've sent person after person after person, opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, early in the morning, late in the evening. But he says, you still will not hear my word. You still will not hear my word. 
Never in a time has this country been in the place it is right now where it were not hear the word of God. You don't believe me? Go to somebody to work tomorrow and mention the name of Jesus. See what happens. They'll either laugh in your face or they'll get mad at you. I'm not lying, it's the truth. Try it and see if you don't believe me. They answered not. Right now, America is answering not. We're answering not as a nation. We're answering not as a church. We're answering not as a church here at Reedtown. We're answering not. We don't want to hear what God has to say. Therefore will I do unto this house, which is called by name, my name wherein ye trust, and unto the place which I gave to you and to your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh, and I will cast you out of my sight, as I have cast out all your brethren, even the whole seed of Ephraim. Therefore pray not thou for this people, neither lift up cry nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear thee. You're not going to change God's mind on this. God says, if you won't believe me, if you won't hear me, if you won't follow me, I will put you out of my sight. I've done it in the past. I'll do it now. I won't change on this. I won't back down. I won't be bluffed. I won't be bartered with or begged. He says, I will not hear your prayer concerning this. Verse 17, seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? People, can you not see what's going on in the world today? I'm not talking about overseas. I'm not talking about in Los Angeles or New York. I'm talking about in Knoxville. I'm talking about in Newport, Tennessee. How many young people were killed this past week in Knoxville? When did you ever think that that would happen? When did you ever think that we, that's almost like being in Atlanta and listening to a news, a news uh, uh, broadcast from Atlanta or Los Angeles. Three in a 24-hour period. Why? The big debate was why in the newspapers, why on the talk shows and the radio, why did this happen, why did this happen, why did this happen? It's happened because the family, because the parents, because the churches have turned away from God. The result is, the devil reaping our children. If you won't follow God for yourself, if you won't follow God for the opportunity to go to heaven, my Lord, in a minute, will you not listen to the word of God to save your children? Surely, surely, surely we're not that cold. God, help us. Verse 18 says, The children gather the wood, the fathers kindle the fire, and the women need their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven. Starts at the childest, at the youngest level. They, they gather the fire, the wood for the fire. The fathers build the fire, and the mother make the cakes for the queen of heaven. That's not God. That's Ishtar. That's Ashtoreth. That's the wife of the god Baal, the wife of the god Molech. That is the deity that you worship by going to the temple prostitute. Sexuality. Perversity, unnatural use of the flesh, as God calls it. I know you may not like to talk about it, but there comes a time 
when God, when what God says is supposed to be and not supposed to be needs to be addressed. Sex is pervasive in our culture today. I didn't get any amens on that. Must have hit home on that. I may get some, I may get a couple entries from uh, off the website on that. People don't agree with me. You can't watch a commercial on TV for cereal without them bringing sex into it. And if I see one more, hear one more commercial trying to get a man to increase his sexual appetite with some kind of drug, I'm going to scream. It don't matter what time of day it is. It's three or four times every time a commercial comes on. You can't watch it. You can't listen to it. Sex everywhere you look. God ordained the physical relationship for a man and a woman for a certain reason. And for that reason only. For a man and a woman to leave their father and mother, cleave to one another, become one flesh. Hold God in the center of that union. And in that union, in that union, and that union only, is physical pleasure supposed to be enjoyed by God's people. But you got more divorces among church members. You've got more divorces among church members than you do the rest of the world. At 52% right now among the church. Over half. Over half. And nine-tenths of them is because either Johnny or Sally happened to look and see someone of the opposite sex that may have paid them a little too much attention. May have made a, you look nice today. And from that it grew and 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 grew. Until if another family's destroyed. And the devil sits back on his haunches, holding his feet in his hands, just giggling his head off. Another family destroyed. The fathers and the mothers are and the sons, they're said there in verse 18, they're ready to pour out their drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. Oh, have mercy. You can get me mad at you and it ain't going to mean nothing. You can get the law mad at you and it ain't going to mean a whole lot. You can get everybody you know mad at you and it ain't no big deal. Let me stand here and tell you. Listen, if you don't hear anything else that I say this morning, if I'm boring you out of your mind, hear these words this morning. You don't want the creator of all that is mad at you. You don't want God angry at you. The Bible says every good and perfect gift cometh from Him. If He's mad at you, then what kind of gifts are you going to receive? You don't have to be too smart to figure it out. Anything good and perfect will not come into your life if God is angry with you. Now, I'm not saying because you have problems and trials and temptations that God is angry. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. Don't add things to what I say. Trials, temptations, storms, these will come into a life that's lived in perfect harmony with God's Word. They have to come. 
because they bring us closer to Jesus. And like Paul said, Paul said, I'll glory in them. Paul said, send them on. I like them. Paul said, I want them because in the end, I'm better off. Verse 20. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, mine anger and my fury shall be poured out upon this place, upon man and upon beast and upon the trees of the field and upon the fruit of the ground, and it shall burn and shall not be quenched. That's pretty plain, isn't it? Can't really misunderstand there. God says, When you make me angry, when you make me mad, and judgment comes, I will destroy. Again, all you have to do is look back through the history of the Bible. Sodom and Gomorrah. The entire world was destroyed with a flood. God is not like parents of today. If you don't quit, I'm going to spank you. If you don't quit, you're going to get in trouble. You'll be in trouble when your daddy comes home. If you don't quit, I'm going to take something away from you. That ain't God. When God says, I'll punish, brother, you better believe God will punish God will punish. Skip down to verse 24. Verse 24 says, They hearken not, nor incline their ear. Israel didn't listen. Israel didn't listen to Jeremiah. Guess what? America's not going to listen to the word of God this morning. Just the same as you're not listening this morning. You've already tuned me out. You've turned me off. I've gone a little bit too long this morning for you. God couldn't say what he had to say in 15, 20 minutes. They hearkened not nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart and went backward and not forward. They got worse and worse and worse. What's the country doing today? It's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Since the day that your fathers came forth out of the land of Egypt unto this day, I have even sent unto you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. Yet they hearkened not unto me, nor inclined their ear, but hardened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. Therefore thou shalt speak all these words unto them, but they will not hearken to thee. Thou shalt also call unto them, but they will not answer thee. But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. How many times have you heard in the last little bit on the news, people trying to rewrite American history? Our forefathers didn't found America on Christianity. They weren't Christian leaders. I'm so sick of that I could scream. I want to reach through the radio speaker, through the microphone, whoever that is, talk or grab them around the neck and just pop it sideways real quick. They are intentionally lying and deluding and misinforming and misteaching our children. Were they perfect? Absolutely not. Did they have problems in their life? Yes, they did. But I, have, I, I ain't perfect either. I'm not going to stand here and say I've got sin. I'm most interested in I don't commit a sin, but I don't have sin in my life. Child of God, you shouldn't have either if you're a Christian. I'm not saying you don't sin, but you don't carry it with you. You repent it. George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, 
Thomas Jefferson, our founding fathers that organized this country, they weren't perfect, but if you'll go back and you'll read and you'll study their letters and their writings, they were Christians. In the purest sense of the word, Thomas Jefferson, who himself was a, 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 a deist, he believed God just put everything out here and just let it run on its own. But Thomas Jefferson said, you cannot govern a nation without the word of God to guide you and to lead you and to center you in all truth. But you won't hear that in classrooms today. You won't hear that taught. You won't read that in a textbook. This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. There's going to be some of you today who are mad at me over this sermon. There may be some of you this morning that leave and never come back. There are going to be some of you that are offended at what I had to stand and say today. Just like the Word of God says here, they won't hearken to the truth. I'm telling you the truth this morning. I'm telling you the truth this morning because I love you. Because I want the best for you and your children. I want the best for this church. I want the best for this country. I want the best for this nation. I want everybody to be saved and go to heaven. Verse 29, God says, Cut off your hair, O Jerusalem, and cast it away. Take up a lamentation on high places. To cut your hair off was a sign of humility back then. You'd shave your head and you'd humble yourself before God. We don't do that today. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. Maybe it will help, help humble ourselves before God. Maybe it would help us bend the knee. Knees get locked sometimes. They don't want to bend. We shouldn't just bend the knee and bow before God. We should be on our face before God. We should be on our face before God. Pulling the dirt around us on top of our head. In humility. That's what God is calling for Israel to do here. That's what God is calling for us to do here. Humble yourself before God. For the Lord hath rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. Oh, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. He hath rejected the generation of his wrath. God help us. God help us. The children of Judah have done evil in my sight. I want you to listen to what they've done, saith the Lord. They have set their abominations in the house which is called by my name to pollute it. They've set their abominations in my house, called by my name. Just last week, which Protestant denomination was it that got together and voted to allow homosexuals free and equal status in the church to preach and to teach? What do you think the Word of God's talking about? I got to get this out now. Five years from now, I'll go to jail for saying that. It's coming. It's coming. 
If we were in Canada right now, they'd have already arrested me. They'd have been standing back there waiting for me to say it. You cannot say what I just said in Canada without going to jail. It's hate speech. Not hate speech, it's love. Trying to tell you right is right and wrong is wrong and what God says is right. And God says it's an abomination. And they have built the high places of Tophet, which is in the valley of the sons of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my heart. Was it 72? Roe versus Wade, 71, 72? Where it became the law of the land to kill a baby? 50 million. 50 million children have been killed in this country since 1972. Is there any difference? Is there any difference in God's eyes than what we do today than what they were doing then? No. No, no, no. We even have a man sitting in the highest office of this land who voted on a law that if the child survived the abortion... For the doctor to take something and kill it after it was born alive. Public record. You can look it up. You don't believe me? Look it up. I have nothing against the man personally. None at all. But he ain't the only one. Half the Senate of the country voted for the same thing. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. In God's eyes, when you kill a baby... Judgment's coming. Judgment's coming. And the country that allows it and the people that allow it, judgment's coming for them as well. Judgment's coming. Preacher, there's a big difference in doing what we do today than what they were doing. They were doing it for religion. We're not. We're not. Why is it the industry that it is today? One reason. Money. Money. Ten billion dollars a year worth of money. You better believe money and greed is a religion. You better believe it is. Because you've got people, that's all they think about. That's all their heart is locked on. That makes it a religion. That's their God. Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it, shall be no, that it shall no more be called Tophet, nor the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. For they shall bury in Tophet till there be no place. In other words, they'll bury so many people. There will be so many people die as a result of my judgment. There won't be room to bury anymore. It will be called the valley of slaughter, of death. And the carcasses of this people shall be meat for the fowls of the heaven and for the beasts of the earth, and none shall fray them away. Then will I cause to cease from the cities of Judah 
And from the streets of Jerusalem, the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, for the land shall be desolate. He did it to Israel. He did it to the nation of Israel, his own chosen people. He'll do it to us. He'll do it to us. But I can't leave you with that. I can't leave you right there. Bear with me for just a moment or two. I can't leave you with that. Go back to verse 5. If you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, God says, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you oppress not the stranger, the fatherless and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to your hurt, then will I cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and forever. And then down in verse 23, he says, Obey my voice, and I will be your God. Ye shall be my people, and walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well unto you. He made a way of escape. He made a way of escape for Israel then. He makes a way of escape for us. Today, right now, August the 15th, 2010, here at Reed Down Community Church, anywhere else in the world, the way of escape is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If you'll trust Him, if you'll put your faith in Him, if you'll just cry out to Him, Lord, I want out of this. I want out of it. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. Lord, I want out of it. Save me, save me, save me, save me. And trust that He can. And He will. He will. But you've got to call on Him. You've got to come to Him. You've got to execute that free will. We brag in this country, we got freedom. I'm an American, I'm free. Freedom don't do you any good if you don't exercise self-control. Freedom without self-control is chaos. You've got to exercise your freedom right now, today, this morning. You've got to make a choice. Ladies, come to the piano, please. I'll give you what the Lord told me to give you. The only other thing that I can do is pray. It's up to you now. As everyone stands to their feet, come. Christian, if you're backslidden, if you're lost, come. The Spirit's done talk to you. There ain't nothing else that I can say that'll change your mind or will you any more than the Holy Ghost of God. If it spoke to you, if your heart's been pricked this morning, come. Don't wait till they start playing. Play, ladies. Don't wait. Don't wait. Come now. Don't hesitate. Don't put it off. If you wait, if you pause for a second, the devil will rob you of this opportunity.